It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life, <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. <laughs> Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And you're streaming the morning side hug. Completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian. Oh, we are a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. On today's show, we take a look at Bethel and Hillsong United. And we dive a bit deeper as we discuss if we should be using their music in churches or on the radio. Bum, bum, boom. (laughs) But first, it is March 25th, and we have a holiday to celebrate. You know, I think I said on Monday that recording days are my most hungry day of the week. (laughs) And I think that it's because we do a lot of food talking. We do talk about a lot of food. And today is no exception. (laughs) (laughs) It is International Waffle Day. International Waffle Day was first celebrated in Sweden and soon spread like, I was going to say butter, soon spread like batter to all over the world. (laughs) That was written weird. It started as a yearly tradition on March 25th, a day which the people of Sweden celebrate. Oh, I did not look up how to say this word. Varfrudgen. 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 Um, which means Our Lady's Day, a religious holiday nine months before Christmas that sounds similar to a Swedish word for waffle. Which I'm not going to try and say. With no direct relation to the religious holiday, this delicious celebration is an international hit. Sorry. Matt is over there playing games on his phone while I am trying to bring you the holiday. If you haven't had breakfast yet, go enjoy a waffle. (laughs) So sorry. We got a game to play and I forgot that I had it on my phone. Uh, all right, so I have done something. I have created a game just for you, Mo. And, hey, uh, it's a Walfuldagen. That's what it is. Walfuldagen. Walfuldagen. Mm. It took me that long to sound it out. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And it's Wednesday, Wednesday, and I'm going to be challenging Mo to a game here. Uh, I've got a. I mean, oh, it's not a. One, it's not a face to face. Here we go. <laughs> but we are gonna. I'm gonna be playing for her three classic '90s songs. But I'm going to be playing portions of them backwards to see if she can identify what they are. Great. So you can play along at home, okay? So here's, hopefully you can hear this okay. Nope. 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 Hold on, hold on. Be louder, phone. Media got all the way down. Okay. Here we go. Is it Jesus Christ? It is Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it. I know that. I know it. Oh, man, that sounds weird. Actually. The one thing that was distinguishable to me of that was you could hear Kevin Max with the ha, ha, 
in the thing. Even backwards, it was still yeah, almost the same. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, that was round one. That was the easiest. Okay. Good luck. Here comes round two. Great. I know it, but I don't know it. No guess? No guess. Big House. By nope. Audio Adrenaline. <laughs> big, big house. Big, big. You can hear that in the background. With lots, uh-huh. With lots and lots of room. Uh, is that clear now? Big, big table. All right, you got one. You missed one. We have one left. Let's see if you can win the game. I'm bummed that I didn't guess it. <laughs> All right, last one. Here we go. Hard. Sounded like people of Zion. <laughs> I don't know. The verses on that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> That's Shine by the Newsboys. Oh. Shine, make them wonder what you got. <laughs> I was not a Newsboys fan. Those are difficult, so, though, right? Yes, that Those was hard. Are, it's really difficult. That was really hard. <laughs> like I, I was setting I'm them kicking up. myself for not saying Big House. I really am. <laughs> when I was setting them up, I'm like, oh, these are going to be too easy. Nope. Because I, even as I was listening to, I can clearly tell that's what those songs were. Well, I'm but glad then you I came back. But I set these up like three weeks ago when we were going to record, uh, and then we couldn't the last second. And so I came back and I listened to them last night preparing for, t- for the recording shows. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I would never be able to understand what these are. And I played them for Daedra. Daedra didn't get any of them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes me feel a little better. I would have yeah. never gotten Shine just because I, I was not a fan of Newsboys. No, but that's, that's such a predominant song. I feel like even if you weren't a fan of Newsboys, if you listened to any Christian music, you heard it a lot back Do then. Do you not know me? I have always been the most stubborn person in the world. So if I don't like something and it comes on, I'm walking out of the room or I'm turning it off or (laughs) I'm talking louder than it so that I don't have to hear it. Oh, gracious. All right, well, (laughs) since we're talking about music, coming up next, Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation. Is their music dangerous? We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, a Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And we're going to kick off the second hour with five random facts. Five random facts. Hopefully these ones won't uh, break your your brain like last, uh, <laughs> yesterday's day. Let's hope. 
Let's hope. iPhones brought in J- bought in Japan and Korea cannot be muted when using the camera to avoid people taking secret photos. Ooh. <laughs> well then. Uh, there's no antidote for a blue ringed octopus bite. However, if you can get to a ventilator to help you breathe and wait out the 15 hours of paralysis, your muscles will start working again and you'll survive. Sheesh. Yep. So in other words, you're pretty much going to die if you get stung. I'm. <laughs> what I'm reading is, if I ever go to the ocean, I need to make sure I have a ventilator with me. <laughs> uh, jams are made from real fruit. Jelly is made from fruit juice, and preserves have chunks of fruit, while marmalades have pulps and peels. 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 Pulps and peels. And I prefer a marmalade. Really? Mm-hmm. That's strange. I know. Uh, cheetahs are so shy and socially awkward, zoos often pair them with emotional support dogs. Aww. <laughs> Wouldn't a cheetah eat the dog, though? Like, Not necessarily. I just no, you, you, like... pair, you pair them with them when they're a kid, when they're little baby cheetahs, and they grow up together, and then they have an emotional bond with the dog, so they would eat the dog. I don't know. <laughs> Animal instinct comes out. Ninety-three percent of people to ever exist on Earth are dead. Roughly fifty percent of them died from malaria. Wow. You know, it, it didn't hurt my brain as much as yesterday's, but that one still stinks. Some of these are kind of depressing. So, well, it's a depressing time these days here. We're in supposed America. to be bringing hope and positivity. But oh, also no. empathy, you know? We got to feel it with them. Sure. We're living in this moment. Now, you know what? Okay, we're, we're talking about something today. It's going to span the, the last two hours because it's a big topic. Uh, a few weeks ago, Mo sent me a video from Wretched, I believe is what it's called. Sure. Uh, and they, they talk a lot about uh, like false preachers and, and, and uh, churches that are kind of off the, the main line. Mm-hmm theological path uh and there was this like live discussion video that they had where they were talking about why churches should not play music from bethel hillsong united and to a lesser extent elevation church uh and it kind of you know most sent it to me without any context of her thoughts and i still don't really fully know uh where she sits on the topic uh I don't know if I fully know where I sit on the topic myself. Uh, but we were then asked by a couple different people if we were going to be talking about this at some point on the show. Hmm. So it is now, uh, it's that time. Here we are. <laughs> it's probably not going to be pretty. We have reached it. <laughs> we don't typically do these really deep dives into things where I'm having to do a whole bunch of research on things. Uh, I say we do them like once a month. Because Maybe, that's, yeah. it just drains us afterwards. <laughs> and uh, we're already going to come at this right away as saying we probably don't have all the answers on what should or should not be done, but we have our own thoughts and opinions. You can't take them as gospel, I guess. Please don't. <laughs> it's just how we are, are at wherever we're at. And again, like I said, I don't think each of us know where each of us are either. <laughs> Which was fun in our first episode of the Morning Side Hug when we came to that discussion on... Are all sins equal in the eyes of God? Mm. And we both had a different opinion. Yeah. And it surprised us because we usually have the same opinion, yeah. I think. 
And so we might have a different opinion here, too. I think I purposefully didn't ask what she thought, just in case. (laughs) Matt has stopped asking me my opinion on things. One, because... He really does kind of like me, and he doesn't want to have to ruin the friendship. (laughs) And two, because it makes better radio. Also, sometimes when I have, like, asked your opinion on something, sometimes I tailor what we we do to... to fit a little bit more with what you think. Oh, I appreciate as that. Well. But then I realized that kind of gets rid of discussion when yeah. we do that. So. True. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about it. All right. Enough beating around so the bush. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things that have been brought up about Bethel Church out of Redding, California, uh, which is also where Jesus Culture kind of came out of that group. Uh, we'll talk about Hillsong United and then we'll talk about Elevation Church. And these are going to be the things that people have a problem with. And we're going to kind of discuss, is that a deal breaker for this church just as a church? Not necessarily the music aspect yet. We'll talk about that more later because, of course, they do produce a lot of music. Several of the songs that you hear on Air One and K-Love and even here on Back Row Radio were written by someone from within these churches or maybe even originally recorded by these churches and so they have a wide reaching span Mm -hmm. you're almost certainly playing some songs coming out of these churches in your church Mm -hmm. every week even if your church doesn't agree doctrinally at all with these churches so that's 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 the second part of this discussion but let's talk about these churches specifically uh Bethel Church, let's I'll give you a little bit of history. Bill Johnson and Bethel Church from Redding, California, and the churches that follow the lead of Bethel Redding are firmly within the new apostolic reformation movement, which most Christian churches deem as kind of unbiblical and kind of spiritually dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I might be throwing in the kind as just to to uh Lesson Soften this, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bethel Church can be characterized as promoting a word of faith teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's prosperity gospel, uh, dom- dominionism, grave sucking, a lot of other weird stuff. Uh, stuff that is not considered uh, biblical pretty much in any sense. Uh, Bethel Redding has uh, become associated with certain phenomena that are interpreted by their leadership and the congregation as manifesting the presence and the glory of God. Uh, The phenomenon include the appearance of glory clouds and gold dust and even angel feathers falling from the ceiling. Uh, Or perhaps the ventilation system. But they claim that none of this is pre-set up by them. That this is stuff just, just happening in their church. That they have such an in tune connection. Angel feathers fall from the ceiling. Gold dust falls from the ceiling. Uh, That kind of stuff is easy to critique as likely a hoax. Where have you heard of that ever? In any other circumstance? Angel feathers and gold dust falling from the sky as being some sort of manifestation that the Holy Spirit is in the church? Do you remember the 1990s movie Leap of Faith? Leap of Faith. No, I don't. It was, it it was, it, it covered this kind of prosperity gospel preaching and anyway, it's definitely not like a Christian movie, but it, <laughs> that's what I think of whenever I think of these types of situations. Yeah. It, 
And for me, okay, here we go. For me, <laughs> as a child who grew up in a church um, that leaned very heavily on this side, it was that movie that really started to make me question and, and wonder, is this truly God? Is this truly a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Or is this something else happening behind the scenes that I don't know of? I I don't know. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things that's pointed out with, uh, especially the angel feathers thing is that the Bible doesn't really specifically say that angels have feathers. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of angels don't even, aren't even said to have wings. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the idea that feathers are falling from the ceiling and they must come from angels is absurd. But the other thing is that there have been people that have like been there when that happened and taken a feather and found it to either be a fake feather you know, a, a plastic feather or from an animal. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, well, this is from some unknown animal. Some, there's no, <laughs> mm -hmm. angel DNA is on this thing. Uh, so, I mean, uh, weird. Um, but the bigger problem aside from that, it stems from like the theology of the Bethel Church and Bill Johnson, who uh, has, Influenced a lot of people that we blatantly call false teachers. Um, so there's, so, there's so much to cover and I don't want to go over everything. Yeah. But Bill Johnson basically, he criticizes Christians who rely more on the Bible than on the quote unquote leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, he states that most Christians operate under a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's what he says. Uh, according to Johnson's own testimony early in his ministry, he knew correct doctrine but did not have any power and he did not experience the presence of God. When he finally did experience that presence after seeking the experience by faith, he knew that uh, that this was the missing key to effective Christian living and ministry. According to Johnson, what Christians need is not doctrine but the manifest presence of God and Bethel Redding is committed to seeking and experiencing this. Bethel Redding's mission is to create a vibrant family of hope-filled believers who deeply experience the love and presence of God and partner with Jesus to express the joy and power of his kingdom in every area of his life. All this stuff sounds great, especially mm -hmm. on the surface, and especially to anyone seeking that exact same kind of thing. Uh, the problem is how they go about this and how they do explicitly often ignore things that the Bible says clearly mm -hmm. uh, in their doctrine. And some things just kind of come out of nowhere, like grave sucking. Uh, let me, let's, uh, where's that at? Grave sucking is where, there it is. Grave soaking. I'm, yeah, grave sucking or grave soaking, both. It is where a person lies on top of someone's grave to soak up that deceased person's quote unquote anointing. Uh, in an interview, Bill Johnson has said that neither he nor Bethel encourages the practice of grave sucking anymore. 
However, in his book, The Physics of Heaven, Johnson does say there are anointings, mantles, revelations, and mysteries that have lain unclaimed literally where they were left, because the generation that walked in them never passed them on. I believe it's possible for us to recover realms of anointing, realms of insight, realms of God that have been unattended for decades simply by choosing to reclaim them and perpetuate them for future generations. So it's with that same mindset of, there's anointing lying all over the place because they never got passed on to another generation. And we can pick those up. And so that's where that practice started. And it did start. Well, I mean, I don't know if the first instance was in Bethel Church, but I'm saying that they did do that early on. Mm-hmm. And they have since de- uh, ceased from it. Yeah. Uh, some other weird things that uh, about the Bethel movement. They uh, have approximately 9,000 members. At that one church, um, which is a lot for a single church, Absolutely. and always kind of concerning. Yeah, like when you're in the multiple thousands, that's a little concerning. Yeah, there are other churches, guys. You can spread out. We're all supposed to be doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bethel Music is a ministry of Bethel Church that includes a record label, music publishing, and an artist collective that frequently holds tours and events around the world. The president and co-founder of Bethel Music is Brian Johnson, the son of Bill and Benny. Uh, one of the most famous musicians to come out of Bethel Music is Jeremy Riddle. A uh, song written by Riddle, Phil Wickham, and Josh Farrow titled This Is Amazing Grace was listed number one on Billboard's Christian Airplay song chart for 2014 and is still one of the higher-rated worship songs uh, to this day. Other Bethel worship songs are, are also popular in churches throughout the United States and Australia. Um, it's a, Bethel music is a big part of the church, mm-hmm. essentially, and that's where a lot of their money comes from as well. Um, the Johnsons are frequently criticized for their teachings that often veer from the sus- uh, from suspect to outright heretical. Uh, prime example is Bill Johnson's Jesus Christ is Perfect Theology, which claims that it is always God's will to heal someone. So he says, uh, how can God choose not to heal someone when he has already purchased their healing? Was his blood enough for all sin or just certain sins? Were the stripes he bore only for certain illnesses or certain seasons of time? When he bore the stripes in his body, he made a payment for our miracle. He already decided to heal. You can't decide not to buy something after you've already bought it. There are no deficiency uh, deficiencies on he, his end. Neither the covenant is deficient, nor his compassion or promises. Only lack uh, is on our end of the equation. The only time someone wasn't healed in the Bible, Gospels, is where the disciples pr- uh, is when the disciples prayed for them. For example, Mark 9, when they prayed for the tormented child, they did not have breakthrough. But then Jesus came and brought healing and deliverance to the child. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He is the will of God. We can't lower the standard of Scripture to our level of experience, or in most cases, inexperience. It's very uncomfortable realization. Not everyone can handle it. Most create doctrine that you can't find in the person of Jesus. He is the will of God. So what they're saying is, if you're sick, it's essentially because you don't have enough faith or you're not uh, connected to Christ enough. That there is never an instance where an illness is a part of God's plan or could be used for God's plan. And what they're saying uh, is specific, I guess, to Jesus Christ in that it's only Jesus that has this this power 
therefore that takes away us being able to heal uh, as saints, which a lot of people still doubt because it's so overly used mm-hmm. uh, in the realm of scandal of mm-hmm. televangelists and stuff. But uh, you know that that is in the Bible that that you know we are sometimes given granted the ability to heal, you know, with Jesus's power. But it's not a commonly seen thing. Mm-hmm. Now, seeing someone coming to a miraculous healing, maybe not through any kind of actual specific event, but just you know, the church rallying around and praying for them, and then the doctor saying, "Well." I don't know what happened, but it's gone. We hear about that all the time, mm-hmm. even in our local area. Like yeah. we know this isn't just all fake. We've seen this happen with people. Mm-hmm. But the idea that if you don't get healed, it's because you don't have enough faith, or they sometimes in some of these writings seems to be saying that you're not even a believer, you're not a Christian, because you were bought. Like mm-hmm. if you if you accepted that faith, if you accepted that grace, you were bought. And so Jesus can't return you is essentially what they're saying. When once he buys you, he can't return you. Mm-hmm. And so at that point you should be healed all the time. So if you're not healed, are you not a believer? That's what it also seems to be implying. Mm-hmm. Do you or is it a spectrum of uh, how much faith you have at a certain time? Who knows? But I do know that there are several instances in the Bible where there are people that weren't healed. But it wasn't because they were bad. Right. It wasn't because they were evil. It wasn't because they had sinned. They weren't sick or or uh, crippled or anything because they were sinful. Not all of that has come from sin in the mm-hmm. Bible. There was a man that, uh, I can't remember his name. I think it's Melchizedek or something, some, somewhere. He got to spend the rest of his life eating at the king's table, living in, uh, you know, the castle or whatever it was. And... He was never healed. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, I don't remember if it was lame or something, but there was something something deficient with him that the Bible never says God healed him of. Mm-hmm. But God still blessed him. Mm-hmm. God was still, obviously, uh, he was still in good favor with God, obviously. And that was the end of that story. Yeah. There are just some times that you don't get healed. But we have also seen so many times uh, people who have an illness, sometimes an ongoing illness, that have used that as a stepping stone to help other people find faith in spite of these tough times. Right. And there is no way that I could say, well, he's he'd be fine if he just had a little bit more faith. You know, mm-hmm. this thing be gone tomorrow if he just trusted Jesus. Yeah. You know, how just blatantly false can a teaching get? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh in this, you're going to find I have much more problem with Bethel than I do with the other churches. Noted. <laughs> so I'll go easier on the other ones. Noted. Um, okay. What else do we have here? Okay. Uh, Benny Johnson, the wife, also teaches some... Oh, no, wait. Is Benny the wife or is it the son? I don't... This name is weird. Okay, no, Benny. Benny's a wife. Okay, Benny Johnson also teaches some peculiarly unorthodox views of Angelo... I don't even know how to pronounce it. Angelology. Angelology. It's not angelology. Yeah, it is. Angelology. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just had to work it out in my head. It's Sorry. not angelology. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah there is. we go. Angelology. Uh, <laughs> that there are different kinds of angels, messenger angels, healing angels, fiery angels, who have fallen asleep. Okay. So in a blog, blog, blog post that she wrote, she says, I think that they have been bored for a long time and are ready to be put to work. She relates a story about one of her students at a Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry who claims God told her to go to the chapel and yell, wakey, wakey. It's not an exaggeration. That's what they were told to yell. Johnson says nothing happened for about five minutes. So the student turned around to the cross. Uh, to cross the road to go over to a shop. As she turned around, she felt the ground begin to shake and heard this huge yawn. She looked back at the chapel and a huge angel stepped out. All she could see were his feet because he was so large. She asked him who he was and he turned to her and said, I am the angel from nineteen from the 1904 revival and you just woke me up. She asked him, why have you been asleep? And the angel answered and said, because no one has been calling out for revival anymore. That's a great dream. Right? <laughs> no one. No one in, in over a hundred years has crawled, called out for revival. So that angel just fell asleep. Despite the fact that angels don't need to sleep. That they're not human beings. <laughs> Whatever. Very weird. <laughs> <sighs> whatever okay we talked about grave soaking mm-hmm. angel feathers gold dust we talked about that okay they use the passion translation bible which uh johnson describes as one of the greatest things to happen with bible translation in my lifetime as the sole translator brian simmons says the passion translation is distinct from the other modern english bible versions in that it is an essential equivalence translation but in a review uh, for uh, Thamilios, Angel G. Shid, uh, conc- Andrew G. Shid, sorry, <laughs> Angel, I got angels on the brain now, <laughs> concludes that Simmons abandons all interest in textual accuracy, playing fast and loose with the original languages and inserting so much new material into the text that it is at least 50% longer than the original. The result is a strongly sectarian translation that no longer counts as scripture, by masquerading as a Bible, it threatens to bind entire churches in thrall to a false god. Well then. <laughs> I have not experienced the Passion Translation personally, but yeah. that does seem to be a pretty damning criticism. Um, all right. Bethel Runs. This is a big one. Bethel Runs, a training center, which I mentioned a minute ago, called the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. The school says... That what makes this academic instruction at a BSSM unique is that it is taught by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The school says students will learn how to read, understand, and do the Bible, how to practice his presence, to witness, heal the sick, prophesy, pray, preach, cast out demons, and much more. Uh, they, a lot of the stuff that they get into really starts to fall into new agey things. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to mix almost psychic-esque uh, things with true biblical things. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, you know, the Bible does make it clear that a lot of these a lot of these things, especially the more supernatural leaning, are spiritual gifts that not everybody has. And they're not things that you can really learn. They're things that God gives you in certain times. Like the ability to speak in tongues. 
things like that. That's that's not something that you necessarily go to a school to learn how to do. That's a God-bestowed gift. Mm -hmm. That's not what they're doing here. They're saying that you can learn to do all these things uh, by sitting in a class room. And that's just never been demonstrated in the Bible as how you can come about these gifts that I'm aware of. What do you have to say about that, Mo? You seem like you got to say something. I've been talking I, a lot. I, no, I am so much. I don't want to say I'm on the fence because that is definitely not the right, right verbiage. But there's just so much about it that it is just difficult for me to hear and difficult for me to grasp. And I think that it's it's difficult because I grew up in that culture. Because yeah. that's my... But this is like a far extended version, right? Because yours wasn't this out there. It wasn't this out there. But it was getting that way, is that what you're saying? <laughs> and I don't think... I th- okay, so I can still watch my childhood church on live stream. Yeah. And from what I can gather, they have taken a huge step back back to sanity from yes okay. <laughs> from, um, that was a little harsh i'm sorry what was a i harsh start out what right i there. grew up with and it's just so difficult for me and you and i have had conversations yeah. before about you know mega churches and and whatever um whether or not they're reaching people and I, it, it's just so difficult for me to wrap my head around so much of this because A lot of my, a lot of the way that I truly in my heart believe and a lot of things that I have to, you know, have one-on-one conversations with God about because nobody else wants to hear my craziness. <laughs> but a lot of these things, you know, I just have to, I, I truly just talk it all out with God. I pray about it and allow him to move my heart in the way that he wants to move it. Um, but I know that I don't, I don't share a lot of the same opinions as People that are close to me, yeah. friends that are, you know, my friends. And even Chris and I have some differing opinions on th- some things. But it's difficult for me to hear quotes of what people said or things because I wasn't there. And so I don't know if it's being, like, pulled out of context, if it's being... I don't know. It's so hard for me, Matt. It's now, difficult. I, I, I only got uh, articles from sources that I trust. Sure, so sure. So I, I know there are some, There, I found some others that were from, uh, you know, things right. I can't vouch for or at least don't have a, a good track record with that were wackier. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I didn't bring those because I don't know. Yeah. But, and I, I don't like the term <laughs> devil's advocate, but that's the only thing that I can really think of. Just to play, you know, devil's advocate here. I don't know, like, if speaking about the healing, was he saying that we had to be healed on earth? Did he mean that ultimate healing comes from Jesus and that that healing may come when we cross over into heaven? Because that... that I believe that 100%, you know. So it's just difficult for me to... I, hiding. <laughs> She's hiding in her sweater. <laughs> it's just hard. I mean, with that specific one, I don't think so. I think yeah. it was clear that he was talking about here. But um, <laughs> but no, I understand. I understand. And I knew this was going to be uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me too. But I knew for you more especially. Yeah. 
And and I think we're both the kind of people that want to give every chance. Yes. To some to something, you know, I want I want to give you the uh, the uh, benefit of the doubt. And, yeah. But when when stuff starts piling up, and that benefit of the doubt starts to go by the wayside, it gets difficult for us. It's almost painful for us. Yes. <laughs> That oh, that is exactly where I, I want, am right now. I wanted like, you to be so much better. <laughs> I wanted this to go another way. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on from Bethel. That's that's the all the big <laughs> stuff I have from Bethel. Let's and I on. love Redding, California. <laughs> Gosh, that's where Chris is from. <laughs> also, Reckless Love that yeah. came out of Bethel I, Church. But see, <laughs> I, see, and I'm not a black and white person. Yeah. I'm not. I'm right. I'm not a, well, this came from this church, and so absolutely 100%, I don't agree with it. I'm not going to listen to its music. I have a difficult time with that. I know. And we'll talk about that a little more in the second hour. And let's get through these. Hillsong. The song is founded in 1983 in Sydney, Australia by senior pastors Brian and Bobby Houston. Hillsong is probably best known for the praise and worship music, having recorded dozens of popular songs since 1992, including the church favorite Shout to the Lord. That's one of my favorite songs, worship songs. Uh, besides being Australia's largest church, Hillsong has locations around the world, including campuses in Kiev, London, New York, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Moscow, Sao Paulo, and other cities. Hillsong Church was originally a part of the Assemblies of God of Australia, now called the Australian Christian Churches, but formed its own denomination in 2018. I remember that being big news when they did that. They separated from uh, the AOG. Uh, so what could be concerning about Hillsong? Uh, Hillsong has a couple things that I think us as a, as a, what are you doing? I'm listening. Okay. Your Jeez. eyes are so wide. I feel like I'm trying to take it all just in. Waiting, waiting to, waiting to be disappointed. Uh, no, Hillsong <laughs> does a couple things that most mainstream churches don't agree with, but some do, some are fine with, uh, it's, they're kind of ongoing debates, debates within the churches, uh, all churches. Uh, one of them is women as pastors. Mm. Uh, they're they're fine with ordinating women or ordination of women as pastors. <laughs> um, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about that subject to really get into a full on debate about it. So I'm gonna leave it be. Uh, <laughs> um, they uh, what's what's the term? They, they still believe that people are being appointed as apostles, mm-hmm. which I know there are some churches that believe that. And there are a lot of churches uh, that believe the apostle moniker was reserved only for those who actually served under Jesus on earth. Right. And that all the rest of us are disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, even saints. We'll even use the term saints, uh, which Catholics don't. Catholics reserve for, right. you know, they have to call a saint a saint, kind of. Uh, but anyway, all these things, those are up for debate in a lot of churches. I understand. We're not going to count that against Hillsong when it comes to whether or not we use their music. What troubles me about Hillsong, uh, well, before we get into that one, the one, the, one le- the one less thing, which is also something that I tend to give Christians a pass on, is that sometimes their leaders are reluctant to take a position on like homosexuality, mm-hmm. gay marriage, and stuff of that nature. And I know I'm probably in the minority. I think we're both in this minority, I think, 
I'm not going to jump to conclusions. But uh, I think I'm in the minority in that when when somebody who's supposed to be a believer is is point blank asked that question in an interview that otherwise has nothing to do with that topic, that's pointless. Mm-hmm. All it is doing is creating an opportunity to either make one side mad or the other. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the overarching Christian position on these topics. There's no need to keep asking every single Christian who comes on TV this and then using it as the main focus of the interview, which it wasn't supposed to be. I did that with Lauren Daigle. That was Mm -hmm. the last time we talked about this. It's so stupid. Yep. She just chose to not take any answers, say, I don't know enough about this one way or the other to make a decision that is going to be used as some sort of official stance. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would like to not answer that question. And Christians destroyed her yeah. over that. And so I I don't mind when pastors or Christians in the public eye just say, look, I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Look, we have our positions. We have our thoughts. This isn't really the time for it. I don't want to answer that question. I understand that. Uh, on the other side, Joel Osteen went on. And was asked that question once and full out said exactly what he believed. And it was on point with what most people believe. Yeah. Sometimes they surprise you. <laughs> but uh, that is one of the things that lately they've been getting criticism over is that they just won't make big statements about it. Yeah. Which I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Again, it's been talked about enough. We all know. They all know. Yeah. It's just both sides use it as an opportunity to get mad at the other at the person talking. So... Let's leave that aside as well. The only real concerning thing that I have is that they embrace the word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel. And I believe so strongly that that is such a dangerous doctrine because it really does misrepresent God in the same way the Bethel healing thing did. The word of faith movement basically says you have enough faith you can speak something into existence Mm -hmm. and that's usually money yeah you have enough faith you'll get enough money you have enough faith you'll do this and that's not always a part of god's plan sometimes god needs you to have some sort of suffering some sort of sacrifice some sort of something else that's not what you want it to be and that is the catalyst of growing you to prepare you for something else in the future Mm -hmm. but with the uh the word of faith movement i don't find it as a as big of a drawback as stuff with the bethel church because i know we play like torin wells Mm -hmm. and he's the the music minister at joel osteen's church right uh and i've never really seemed to have a big issue with any of the things that with playing he playing torn wells yeah. yeah um like i don't i i definitely don't agree with joel osteen even though torn wells says ridiculous grace but you know whatever whatever <laughs> um so yeah i mean is 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 that a deal breaker for you with hillsong the word of faith thing no um i think that it's very um it's a very fine line and it opens up a lot of doors 
um, I don't, it opens up a lot of doors that can be taken in, obviously, in a wrong manner. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say that it's a deal breaker by any means. There's, I feel like there's a lot more that should be a deal breaker. (laughs) (laughs) And not necessarily with Hillsong. That's not what I mean. I just mean in general, there's a lot more that, that could be a deal breaker in, within church culture as a whole. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I guess most people see all the things that we listed with Hillsong as together a big problem, mm-hmm. you know, lumping them all together. You know, I see some of them as smaller problems and not sure that we should lump them all together. Let's move on to uh, Stephen Furtick and Elevation Church. Um, so what has always bugged me, and this is before I did any kind of research mm-hmm. into Stephen Furtick. Mm-hmm. Was that Stephen Furtick acts like a cult leader, in my opinion. He acts like, I mean, he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's very handsome. He connects really well with people in a kind of creepy vibe way, in my opinion. And... I've listened to some of the music that he himself has recorded, some of the songs that he has written and sung, mm-hmm. and they all just give me that creepy feeling. Like it's not someone I want to be my spiritual leader, or maybe I want to be my spiritual leader too much, because <laughs> it's a cult leader thing. Uh, so I can agree <laughs> with this, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize to my sister-in-law, because April... Really like Stephen April, a big fan of Stephen. Yeah. I'm sorry, April. Um, Don't leave the group. And Elevation Church. She won't. <laughs> she won't. Every time anything gets posted concerning Stephen Furtick, I, I'll message her and she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but I can, I, I get the kind of creepy vibe too. Yeah. So I don't know why. I don't know what it is. His hair is on point though. I mean that that I'm kind a little of like, jealous of his hair sometimes. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> am I jealous of him, or am I genuinely getting a creepy vibe? I don't know. <laughs> so okay, so there are problems. Uh, you know, th- those those are the problems with him, and those could just be his personality problems. Who knows? Yeah. But the uh, the 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 thing about the church that's concerning is the fact of how that church is run and set up. There is no real oversight. There's no, um, there's no governing body over how the church is spending its money. Mm -hmm. And the one kind of body that would kind of make those decisions is a committee run by Stephen himself. And so he's been criticized by living a very, very lavish Joel Osteen-like lifestyle. But to the point where even Joel Osteen is kind of open about where his money comes from and how much he has and how much the church pays him. He doesn't really take any money from the church. All of his money comes from his book sales Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, Here, Stephen has said to go on record and say, here's how much money we've given and here's what we do with our finances. To me, 
That would be the most arrogant thing I could do. And it would rob me of the blessings of what Jesus said, which is when you give, you don't get up and tell everyone how much you've given. So he's not even being accountable to his parishioners about the fact whether he actually gives at all. Is it all just take and keep or not? I think that that, you know, he's right in a sense, but in another sense, he's also supposed to be the example. Right. For a church. Mm hmm. And so even asking him, you know, do you give like a 10%? Do you do a tithe? He won't answer that question. Yeah. Uh, and there is no like report on how much this money is going in and out for him personally. And so that lack of accountability in his leadership is, I would say, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, I'm not, I don't ever want to get out and just say, you know, being rich is ungodly because that's not true. And we know that. But when, when someone says to him that, you know, you own a a $1.7 million, 16,000 square foot house. And his response is, it isn't that big of a house, really. That kind of comes off as egotistical and weird. Yeah. Yeah. Really weird. Snarky and yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I just, Furtick is the pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. He undoubtedly makes a large salary. But on the other hand, there are many famous pastors of big churches like Rick Warren mm-hmm. and Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. uh, who have been very cautious in the appearance of wealth for this very reason. Right. Uh Buying a a $1.7 million mansion might not be wrong, but it's not very wise for a pastor, someone who's supposed to be a spiritual leader. And it's, it's, it's dangerous. But all that to say, we can't use music that comes out of elevation. I don't know. Right. Well, again, we'll talk about that a little deeper later, but there is one, one bit of weirdness in the theology coming out of Stephen's church and also a little bit of scandal. In a 2012 video that went viral of one of Elevation's services, they have called spontaneous baptism services, where over 2,000 people in this video came forward to be baptized. In 2013, a document Elevation released to help other churches do their own spontaneous baptisms caught attention. You can read... uh, Oh, sorry. Most of the controversial part is where churches are encouraged to plant people throughout the auditorium to, quote unquote, prime the pump for a response. As in, have them go up for a spontaneous baptism, even though their reaction is fake, play, uh, staged, planned. And so that's kind of where, uh, you know, a, a, a Rorschach test comes in you know it's it's you have this large scale mega church you realize well it can kind of pull off anything it can pull off a a fake response to make a real response happen is that wrong is that misleading it's like when a pastor because i you know pastors at the end of a service will Say, you know, everyone close your eyes, heads bowed, every every head bowed, every eyes closed, and ask, you know, if you if you want to accept closed. if you want to accept Christ today, raise your hand. 
you know, and then you'll hear him say, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. And most of the time that's genuine. Sometimes it is not. Sometimes you peek your eyes open and you look around and you're sitting in the back of the room so ain't nobody hiding behind you. There's no hands going up and you hear the pastor saying, I see that hand, I see that hand. And that is so disingenuous and then so disheartening. Yeah. Because it is a lie. Yeah. At its core, at its base, it's a lie. Whether or not they think they're in the right by trying to encourage other people to say, you know, raise your hand because clearly there are other people doing it. So you should feel safe to do it now. I can see the rationale. I could see why they would want to do that. But at the core, at the base, it is a lie. And that would mean that base, that faith reaction is being brought about by a lie. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't say anything that that faith reaction isn't genuine. But if we start putting into practice ungenuine methods of getting that to happen, I don't see how that can be a good thing. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) Buffering, buffering. (laughs) That's exactly loading. I don't... Does it say specifically that people would go up and be baptized... Read the thing again. I, I I don't have the actual article. And so it's possible that it's not that uh, specific, but there was a lot of articles written about it that seemed to make it pretty clear. Uh, again, I didn't go beyond the, the source that I have here that I... Because you said trust. that there were, there were people that were staged, like placed within the congregation, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I hear that... Like, growing up in the church that I grew up in, I can remember people, we would have our prayer partners, the people who would lead prayer, and at the end of service, they would go throughout the congregation, and if they felt as if the Lord was guiding them to a certain person, you know, at the end of our services, we have the pastor that comes to the altar, and he waits for you to come forward. Yeah. Right? It is all on your own volition. You have to walk forward. Um, whereas they would have people throughout the church and if they felt like the Holy Spirit was leading them to you, they would come to you and they would, you know, start pulling things out of you to pray for you, to figure out where you are and what's going on in your life. And so I just kind of wonder if that is where my mind immediately went when you said that there were people throughout the congregation. I thought, oh, okay, yeah. They've got people throughout the congregation that are like, do you want to be baptized? Oh, okay. Let me no, talk to you no. about baptism. That Let me not, talk to you about... I know that's not the situation because it does say clearly that uh, though the the letter, the, you know, the, the, the thing on how to do your own at your own church. Okay, uh, yeah. Talks about that. It doesn't make clear whether or not uh, you're supposed to be encouraging these people, these prime the pup people to be people that have already requested to be baptized or not. Okay. And so I guess the only way that this could work is if you've had someone in your congregation, a few people in congregation say, I want to come up and be baptized and say, well, how about we do it this day? Mm -hmm. We'll have you come up first. That would be fine, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's clear that it is have people up here to come up first to encourage other people to come. And so... But see, and that that still just gives me kind of like a... Yeah. 
because then it takes kind of thing. Yeah, because then it takes something that is supposed to be yes, it's an outward show of expression. That is what baptism is. It you know it's not salvation. We realize that it's but it is something that's supposed to be symbolic between you and and God and your congregation. And then it's then taken it to another level of. No, I can't think of the word. Um, I don't. I can't think of the word. I'm drawing a blank. But I understand what you're saying. Still, I see your point in that it's it's just it's a. It's it a takes step a lot line. of the meaning out of it. To yeah. me, and I maybe not. I don't know. But in, I believe. <laughs> see. This is why I don't do good with topics like this. Yeah, I know. It's a difficult... It's a... it, Yeah. Difficult situation that we're in. Um, okay. Well, that was a lot. So we're going to give you a break and take a break ourselves. Give um, me a break. <laughs> coming up next, we continue to discuss these church... To discuss these churches. We continue to cuss these churches. <laughs> and discuss if we should play music from them in our churches or on our radio stations. We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, a Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And who boy, Yay. it's a topic today, guys. I'm, I, like, I'm still feeling awkward from the last hour. <laughs> so we have been talking about Bethel Church, Hillsong United, and Elevation Church. And we're leading up to the question that we're going to be talking about this hour. This is the main topic. Given some of the bad or, or, or confusing or sometimes cult-like feeling doctrines and problems of these churches does that mean that we shouldn't use their music even if the songs themselves are lyrically biblically sound so that's where the question comes mm -hmm. are you ready for that question though uh, you ready to discuss it we'll see well i'm already in it i know you got the door locked i don't know why you're giving me an option now <laughs> it's not like i can retreat and I feel bad for sending you this article to begin with. <laughs> right? It's all your fault. <laughs> Hope you're happy, Mo. <sighs> Hope you're happy. So, there are uh, uh, hundreds of songs by Bethel Church in CCLI, in the, the church license using mm -hmm. platform that a lot of churches use. Um, let's go over some of them. Okay. Okay. We got a. Uh, no Longer Slaves. It's a more recent one that I really like. I really like that song. And I don't want to not like it. <laughs> Got It Is Well. Yeah, that one. Uh, one Thing Remains is on there. That's a good one, too. Gosh, a lot of these are good. Ain't No Grave. <sighs> yeah, Reckless Love. King of My Heart. Uh, let's see. Give me Jesus. Love came down. This is amazing grace. We talked about alabaster heart, lion and the lamb, 
The war is over. Promises never fail. Be enthroned. Be still. Every crown in over my head. Breaking through. Spirit move. Oh, just so much. So many songs. And these are just all the recent ones. But they, they go back several years. And Hillsong, even longer than that. A list longer than that, going back to 1992. Elevation Worship, Jesus Culture, those are a little newer. But we are getting more and more of them in there as well. Mm-hmm. And of course with Hillsong, you have, there's like four different bands. There's Hillsong United, there's Hillsong Young and Free, there's right. Hillsong Kids, there's another one. Uh, Elevation has Elevation Youth, Elevation Rhythm. Uh, Bethel tends to focus more on individual artists coming out of their music mm-hmm. program, like Corey Asbury, uh, uh, Phil Wickham. Was it Phil Wickham or was it the other guy? I don't remember. One of them. Uh, anyway, a lot of that is happening. A lot of music. It's all throughout everything that you listen to in your churches, on K-Love, on Air One, even some of their stuff's here on Back Row Radio. We're understanding of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that question now becomes, how deeply should we separate from this kind of music? And is there a, a, a detriment to playing that kind of music in our churches or on the radio? And that's what the video that originally inspired this was tackling mm-hmm. uh, from Wretched. They were saying their, their, their case was that if we play this music, that it will encourage people to seek out more music from this place, these places, mm-hmm. and eventually lead them to these kind of churches that teach this bad doctrine. And okay. that so that in doing this, we're essentially promoting it promoting this doctrine because we are promoting their music and at the same time the other problem is that by using them uh, in our churches on the radio we are putting money into their churches so we are actually financially supporting a spread of false doctrine or wacky practices or stuff like that so both Are pretty good arguments. <laughs> sure. What are what are your initial thoughts? I want to hear. I know. I know. I know I'm putting. You... I feel like my initial thoughts are always the same when we kind of discuss, you know, a mega church or a prosperity gospel church or, you know, anything that kind of falls under this umbrella, um, and I just go back to my own personal life, and that's really all that I can do. You know, I can throw around a lot of scenarios, a lot of what ifs, a lot of, well, this could happen and this might happen. And But if I go back to what I know, then I have to go back to my personal story. And my personal story is one that grew up in a prosperity gospel church, one that had quite a bit of false doctrine. And as an adult, I do what I believe we're all called to do. And I, I began to search the Bible for myself. I began to find the answers for myself. And in that, there's so much that I learned as a child, so much that I learned in that church that I still carry today at, you know, as a believer. But I am able to separate the two. I'm able to say, yes, this, is, this lines up biblically and this does not. So I'm going to carry this, but I'm going to put this to the side and just take it as what it is. It's human, human nature, human understanding, and it wasn't in line with 
with the word, and that's okay. If I go off of that, if I go off of my own life, then, and I believe that's what we're all supposed to do as yeah. believers, every single one of us. We cannot come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and just be fed and not go home and really search the Bible for the answers. We can't sure. just go off of what man is telling us as as truth, as golden, because we are human and we are going to make mistakes. We are going to flub up every now and again. We're going to say things that aren't necessarily in line with the word. We're at fault. We have fault within our life. And that's okay because if we didn't, then there would be no reason for Jesus. <laughs> but we are called to do the research yeah. and to make sure that what we're what we're believing is in line. Absolutely. And I agree with that, that, that it is our calling and it's ultimately our responsibility yes. uh, to make to make these distinctions and to know where our line is. Um, the things that I think about, uh, let's talk about like Stephen Furtick. We were talking about how he kind of has this cult mm-hmm. leader type feel to him, but that there are thousands of people that flock to him as kind of a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I see, I have several people in my feed sharing videos from him all the time. Mm-hmm. My older brother who, uh, his theology has gone up and down, in my opinion, uh, from wacky to normal a lot. But he keeps sending me music videos from Stephen Furtick. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I yeah. don't want to watch. Quit sending me this. But when I think about, like, the generation now, the younger kids now, the teenagers and the, the college-age kids who who are involved in church or excited about faith, I start thinking about the older generation and how they latched on to people like Kenneth Copeland Mm -hmm. and Jesse Duplantis, who, in my opinion, are ultimately far too into the prosperity gospel, far too over the line when it comes to sound doctrine. And they're leading them into that mode of believing. And I don't want to see the same thing, and I can't do anything about it, but I certainly don't want to see the same thing happen with a new generation and a new group of quote-unquote televangelists or or people whose main outlet is now social media, like Stephen Furtick's is. That's where most people see his stuff, is mm-hmm. on YouTube clips and their videos from their church. And I just, I, I find it so dangerous that we have the celebrity culture happening with these kind of pastors. Mm -hmm. And so I know that when we're younger, we latch on to celebrities and we get to the point where we defend them no matter what's thrown at them. Mm -hmm. And I know this in my own life when I was a kid. Big DC Talk fan. They were the first group, uh, first band I ever listened to. Still one of my favorites. Great people. Then they kind of split up and they grew apart, but I would defend them to my dying breath. Kevin Max, solo. I love his music. But when he speaks like publicly online and stuff, you can tell he's of a much more liberal mindset than Mm -hmm. the other two. And sometimes he says things that rub me the wrong way and rub other Christians the wrong way. And then sometimes he says things that that sound controversial, but I believe are spot on. But for a while, I remember... I would defend anything that he said. 
Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't necessarily agree with it, I would find a way to defend it to anybody that had anything negative to say about it. That was back when I was on the comment section all the time and all this kind of stuff. I would I would make the case for whatever Kevin Max said. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of grew out of that realizing, why am I doing that? I don't even really agree with what he's saying. Why do I feel the need that I have to defend what he's saying? Mm-hmm. And it's because I've idolized them for so long. And Kevin Max was my favorite. I loved his voice and how, you know, how he flutters in and out of those of those DC Talk songs. Mm-hmm. And then I've loved almost all of his independent stuff, which hasn't taken off nearly as much as the other two in the band have, um, you know, music-wise, you know, right. popularity-wise. But it's that kind of celebrity culture mindset that we get when we're really uh, – becoming adults when we're young but we're we're growing up and we're looking for things to latch on to and i'm afraid that the idea that they brought up in that video the wretched video could be true when it comes to the younger of us that we'll start using that music especially like with bethel when they're they're putting out actual full artists and not just like this is our worship band and this is our youth worship band but like one artist singing this stuff, bringing you back to Bethel music. Are we going to see that start happening where even if they might not have grown up in a church or grown up in their own faith, believing a certain doctrine, they start defending it because it's coming from the church that all of their favorite artists are coming from. Yeah. And so from that perspective, I can see why they were nervous in that video where they were talking about that, of that happening. For mostly the younger portion. But again, like you said, eventually that is our responsibility to uh, sort that stuff out. Mm -hmm. And just like me, I eventually came to that realization. No, what I'm doing is stupid. I I shouldn't have to defend any anybody. Right. Especially if I don't really agree with them. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't, you know, and that doesn't say I flipped around and I started posting mean comments to Kevin Max whenever he said something I didn't like. I just didn't feel the need to have to take up his flag every time he took some weird stance. Yeah. And that's where we ultimately need to get to. And I feel like that's part of our growth process as a Christian. You know, if we, I have a really difficult time with the, the, the group of people who believe that the second that you're saved, every conviction is in your, within your heart and everything that you think is, that was once okay is now wrong. I have a really difficult time with that because it is a growth process. Mm -hmm. There is a reason that we are described as a baby when we come to know the Lord, because over time he reveals more and more and more to us. Our, our relationship with him deepens and strengthens and things become more real. Um, and so I have a difficult time with the idea of, to me, it almost feels like we're taking that opportunity away from a generation, um, that opportunity for growth, that opportunity for really digging deeper into their belief and their understanding of what the word is. If we're just essentially putting them in a bubble and taking out all the bad, taking out everything that we deem as not holy, not worthy, and just isolating them and secluding them. Am I making any sense whatsoever? No, I, I absolutely get it. Uh, and I'm just thinking in myself, 
you know, balancing that between also kind of having the responsibility to make sure that they understand what they're uh, ingesting. Absolutely. Because it's like, uh, I don't know, we had the big thing with the Harry Potter thing two decades ago or however long it's been now, where some parents were just like, absolutely not. Don't even go anywhere near it. Yeah. And then there were other Christian parents who were like, look, I'll, I'll let you read it. I need you to understand, though, that witchcraft can be very dangerous. I know this is just a fantasy story and all of this is made up, but please don't mix it in with reality. You yeah. Know, that kind of teaching behind it. Mm-hmm. We can pull out stories from it that can be allegories for real things in this real world, but the devotion itself should be to the fiction, to the story, to the fun, not to witchcraft, witches, and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I understand that's a fine line and a weird line to be in. So should we... Uh, oh, of course. Then you also had other parents who's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Dive in. And yeah. I feel like that's equally irresponsible, as is cutting them off completely. That middle road should be the course of, you're going to experience this. You might even come to love something like this. You need to be aware of all the truth about it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if we are to play this kind of stuff in our churches, or if we are to let our kids listen to it, I guess, we should also make it clear, look, if you get too involved with following Stephen Furtick online or following Bethel Church online, they do or say some things that are a little out of line with what we believe. Yeah. And I just need you to be, you know, you need to keep them aware of that. Keep them uh, knowing what they're getting themselves into, I guess, is Mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah. And I know there's only so far that can go when it comes to making any sense. And I get I'm not putting it into great words right now either. But but we don't just, you know, balancing what you said, we don't just want to let them roam free into whatever without any consenting opinion or dissenting opinion coming through to let you know hey you need to actually balance this Mm -hmm. in your own mind don't just accept everything at face value Mm -hmm. well and that truly that goes to discipleship and I think that that's something that a lot of parents just tend to forget Mm -hmm. in the parenting process is that is parenting at its core. We are supposed to be discipling our children and having two teenagers myself and a lot of these very big, heavy conversations that we're having on a regular basis. You know, I've told Topher more in the last two months, I wish that my parents would have sat down and talked to me like this as opposed to just, yeah, okay, go for it. You know? Here's a shovel, start digging. I've... And my parents did the best that they could. <laughs> yeah. I'm not at all saying that they were not good parents. They were great parents. But from the other side of it, having those awkward, tough, time-consuming conversations with our kids is always going to be worth it. Yeah. And that, you know, church culture is inclusive in that. Figuring out their walk with the Lord is included in that, you know, we, that, that's part of it. It's not just about drugs or alcohol or about sex. We need to be talking with our kids about their relationship with God and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
listening to that dragging us down to the depths of Hades aside. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about if we're allowed to have them in our churches. If, if the lyrics are biblically sound, is it necessarily wrong to actually sing them in our churches? Or maybe to like have another artist who doesn't have wacky doctrine cover that song. Can we play that song on our radios and it be okay? I mean, does it really come across that, you know, Becca Shea didn't write So Will I 100 billion times? Or is it just enough that, you know, hey, Becca Shea sang this song and it's nice. Can we just play it? I don't know where that song comes from. That's just the first thing that popped into my head. I know she didn't write it. <laughs> um, so we've got, we got a couple things. This is not a new issue in churches. Uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God was penned by uh, Martin Luther, who wrote 95 theses that rightly protested corruption in the Roman Catholic Church, set off the Protestant Reformation. Uh, but he also wrote The Jews and Their Lies and on the infa- uh, ineffable name, which were rooted in hostility and horrific views toward the Jews. I mean, Martin Luther did kick off the Protestant Reformation, but he was far from perfect mm-hmm. as a spiritual leader. But does that mean that all of his songs shouldn't be used or Mighty Fortress of Our God, which is a big, big historical song in the church, should never be sung again because he had some wacky opinions about the Jewish people? We got Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, written by 1757 uh, preacher, Methodist preacher Robert Robinson, who later fulfilled the prone to wander line by drifting away from his faith. So if he leaves the faith, are we no longer allowed to sing Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? Because the guy who wrote it now doesn't even believe in the Christ behind it. It is well with my soul, written by Horatio Gates Spofford after he lost his four children in the, in the sinking of the SS Ville du Harve in November 1873. While his most famous work is this anthem to the truth of God's sovereignty, his teachings on eternal punishment and the Holy Spirit were at best ill-formed and at worst heretical not accepted doctrine by a majority of churches. But we still sing that song, and that song is spiritually accurate. We talked about at Christmas time, uh, Oh Holy Night. It's written by an uh, agnostic. Mm-hmm. Someone that they hired to write it. Still one of our most beloved Christmas songs we sing every year. Is it a, is it a, uh, is it a case of time distancing the problem? Is it the fact that these churches are now here in the present and that these songs are new that is the issue? Or is it that the idea that God could actually have something produced that honors him through a church that might not always or might not in the right way or might not doctorally in the doctorally sound way? You know, is, is God, and that's kind of what we talked about when we talked about Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Is God still able to move in spite of Joel Osteen or Mm -hmm. the problems that that church arises? Is everybody who claims to have come to Christ through listening to a Joel Osteen teaching or a Stephen Furtick teaching or any of these churches, is is everybody who claims to have come to Christ in these churches not really a Christian? Are they all false? Are they all fake? Or could it be that God can still move through these in spite of the garbage behind it? Right. Just like he does with each and every one of us. Preach, brother. (laughs) 
I mean, it's 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 a hard balance, and I know that there's a good debate on all sides of this, and there's not just two sides. Yeah. Um, we do play. I've been going through all the songs since when they redid our our dashboard for the the behind the scenes stuff uh, for the radio station. A lot of our categories got mixed up and so I'm having to go through literally every track that we have in our category or in our uh, catalog mm-hmm. track by track to fix them and uh, I've only come across I think maybe four songs that I know either come from these churches or are from someone that goes to one of these churches mm-hmm. uh, I mean most of them just aren't played anymore anyway since we've kind of cut out the worship music aspect but there are some that are uh and you know this is not a new topic we've been thinking on this for over a month we've been praying about it i've been praying about what we're going to talk about how it's going to end what what we should say i'm not feeling any tug in my heart of this is dangerous having this music here Mm mm-hmm now, I know that's not the be-all and end-all of whether it's right or not, but I'm not feeling a conviction personally yeah. that this is going to do a disservice or that these songs can't bring about something righteous from them. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm going to worry about it too, too much here. I'm going to I'm gonna rely on a big God to, to handle that and hopefully they'll get the message from all the other songs on the, the, the 99% of music on the station that don't have that big of a problem. But see, you know what? I say that. Then we get down to individual artists. How do we know that every single band, every single artist all have their doctrine in line? That's the thing that we can't know that. Yeah. And, and we're not supposed to know that. Yeah. That's not our place. Yeah. And that, that, I think that's one of the biggest things that bothers me is that it takes out all of the love aspect. When we're so focused on figuring out what your doctrine is and where you stand and how you came to salvation and what you said yesterday or what you said two years ago, that's taking out every aspect of love and grace and forgiveness that I'm supposed to be showing you. And it is putting the judgment Within my hands. Yeah. And that's not that to me. That goes against what the Bible says. (laughs) And you're putting yourself right there. Yeah. In the line of fire with the churches that you're pointing your finger at. Do you know? You know what I mean? It it just I. uh, Not once have I ever felt like God has given me the permission to decide who loves him and who doesn't? Yeah. Has he made my eyes open to things that were not biblically accurate? Yes. Does he put people heavy on my heart when they're going through certain things or when they say something that I realize isn't quite sound? 100%. But in those moments, I then give it to God, pray about it, and I ask him to open up the doors. For me to move or for someone else to move right? in that person's life. Yeah, if he wants you to speak to them or to make some sort of bold declaration, he'll open up that door for you. Absolutely. Sometimes that's not your place. Sometimes your place is just to pray for them. So I, yeah, 
it's a it's a very tough I understand I understand the fear aspect behind it with, you know, we're putting money into these churches yeah. and we're growing these churches and I understand that. I do. But at the same time, if God can use a song, if God can use the, the lyrics of a song to change a person's heart and to change a person's life, then he can use that money that's going into this church however he deems fit. However, and and that's something that we don't really necessarily think about or consider because it's money and it's tangible and we can see it and we can see how it's how it's growing and doing things within ministries and churches that we may not agree with. But what we can't see is how those ministries, how that money that is being put into those ministries are changing the hearts and lives of someone who then may in 15, 10, 15, 20 years realize, okay, this is where the Lord is leading me. I need to walk away. I need to separate myself or I need to shed some light. Yeah. I need to be the light in, in this dark place. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I guess to wrap up my thoughts on this, I'm not so much worried about the songs themselves. The the celebrity culture thing issue does worry me a bit. Yeah. Uh, just because the the longer I have kids, the more I'm worried about uh, influences on them, mm-hmm. you know? But... To use that as the the final whipping rod of saying uh, we're not just we're just ne- never going to play any music that ever comes out of any association with your church seems a bit of an overreaction mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, but we could, you know, Mo and I could be completely wrong, and maybe we don't even know exactly where we stand in one hundred percent of the cases when it comes to this either. Uh, we are, I think, both kind of fleshing this out as we talk about it. Mm-hmm. But we'd like to hear from you, too, about what you think. Um, there is a poll that we have. Uh, we didn't take this poll. This is a different poll. Uh, where the question was posed, and this was uh, in reference to Hillsong. The, que- the question, question was exactly what we've been talking about. Uh, should we be allowed to use Hillsong's music mm-hmm. uh, as Christians? Should we should we do it? Not loud, but should we do it? Uh, and the, of the like eight different answers you can give, the one with the most votes, 36% of the vote was, I think Hillsong is in serious error, but we can selectively use their songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the second biggest vote was, we need to separate from songs they have written completely. So I think even us as believers are kind of confused on the on the topic, on how big of a role we have to play in this, as opposed to how big of a role God has to take. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird topic. It is a, it's a, a weird, weird topic, topic for a weird time in it our is, planet. <laughs> right? It is. At the end of the day, though, I feel like, you know, if we're singing the song in the church and it's up on the projector screen, then we see down in the bottom right-hand corner or bottom left-hand corner the name or the church affiliation or whatever. If we're listening to it in our car, then we may see we may see it across the scroll of, of our whatever that's called. Um, <laughs> but 
for the rest of the three and a half minutes or however long the song is, the hope is that we're focusing our attention and our praise on God. It's not about the name. It's not about the band. It's not about where it originated from, but it's about giving glory to God and how that song is then a reflection of our praise. And I have a really hard time ever thinking that praising God and giving him glory is a bad thing. I think we'll leave it there. That was all right. All right. That was good. All right. Uh, So coming up next, we share something that we love. We'll be back in just a few with uh, more of the Morning Side Hug. And I just took your line right here from Back Row Radio. (laughs) I'm mad. You just talk so long. I just had it. Wow. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug as our show is coming to a close for today. But first, I want to share with you something that I love. Since we're all in quarantine land and you got plenty of free time, <laughs> how about I recommend something that you can read and enjoy? Uh, I am a big DC Comics fan, but on top of that, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. And I'm a big Green Lantern fan for one reason, and that is the Jeff Johns run of the Green Lantern comic book. It lasted from... I believe it was 2004 to 2014 it was 10 years or a little over 10 years where jeff johns uh was the head writer of green lantern opened the mythos up made this giant awesome reset of the of the idea of what green lanterns were and where they came from introduced us to the other spectrum lanterns uh blue lanterns red lanterns all those fun stuff black lanterns white lanterns but it actually culminated in a story called blackest night that has so much heavy faith overtones to it. And it's so beautiful. And I've shared the story of my tattoo before. In fact, we shared it on a Throwback Thursday recently. But that's, that's where I got, you know, why I put a White Lantern tattoo on my, uh, on my arm as a reminder that God can use both people with garbage pasts and people with relatively clean pasts to do amazing things for him. That's essentially what the, the the comic book told too with uh, with this story. Uh, so I recommend it. Check it out. I, th- I think you can find it online, but you could also buy the books. I'm sure the trade paperbacks are out there for relatively cheap. Uh, there's a lot of them because it was ten years worth of this stuff. But uh, it's a great, fantastic story that I completely, wholeheartedly recommend. Let's close out our show. Hold up. What? I am very disappointed in you right now. What did I say? No, you didn't say anything. What did I not say? You missed an opportunity in your life. What did I do? Okay. So, DC Talk, DC Comics, (laughs) Daedra Coker. Mm. Why are your boys not D names? (laughs) A D and a C. I just feel like you you really missed an opportunity. I I wanted to name Johnny Craig. Yeah, that. But Deidre wouldn't let me. I could have Devin and Craig, DC. <laughs> I feel like you you missed an opportunity. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, all right. Now we can end. Now we can end. <laughs> our Bible bi- verse. Our Bible verse for the day comes from Second Chronicles fifteen two b. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, 
He will forsake you. Thank you for joining us. There is a Back Row Morning Show every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mo and I bring you the morning side hug most of the week, and Bubba and Anna bring you church nerds every Friday. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Radio, and join our laughter-inducing Facebook community, Back Row Baptist Church, by going to backrowbaptist.com. Our free podcast for the Morning Side Hug has undergone some changes. We have added all back episodes from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday shows onto the podcast feed, and we will continue to do so each week the day after they air. So if you miss a morning show, you can catch it. Mm, pardon me, catch up on most of them the next day by following our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you love what we do here at the Morning Side Hug and Back Row Radio as a whole, please consider partnering with us at backrowradio.com slash partner. There are several tiers with different rewards and incentives, but even just committing to, to donate a dollar a month will get you in our private Facebook group, The Scoop. And get you our private podcast feed where you'll get our exclusive Throwback Thursday podcast and bonus content. That's it for the show. We'll be back tomorrow. We hope you will, too. Once again, I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. Remember that Jesus loves you. Who does Stephen Furtick's hair, though? <laughs> and even if you, if you see us around, we love a side hug. Bye. Especially today. It's a tough, tough day. <laughs> it's a hard day. We're sad now. Bye, guys. Bye.